Good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church and those of you who are joined us online. This is uh, 9-9 or 9-11-22. And in this country, 21 years ago, life changed for all Americans. And so we want to remember the families who lost loved ones, who lost family 21 years ago, the first responders, all the people, uh, almost, uh, right, almost 3,000 Americans lost their life in one day on a Tuesday that changed the life forever. If you, if you ever travel very much, if you travel before or since you go to the airport, it's standard protocol now, you know how we travel is, has been changed since that day. And there's, uh, there's evil people in the world. They were here before this, but uh, this was uh, the first time in many years that America was attacked on the inside. So it was kind of a shock uh, to see how that would happen, could happen. There's people who uh, do not like uh, your freedom and do not want you to have your freedom. They have an agenda. It's not those people, but it's, how many know it's not the flesh and blood that we deal with, but against the demonic spirits. So we're, we're thankful uh, for the first responders and those who, who came uh, in New York that day when the Twin Towers both came down. It was, uh, it was something I know you, it's kind of one of those days you, you will remember where you was when it happened when you first saw and heard about it and to watch those towers come down and to watch someone whose mindset would be, you know, thinking they're doing uh, an amazing thing for their God to, to go into a building and fly it almost 600 miles an hour to take their life and everybody on the plane. And so it's been 21 years. Uh, some of the people here, you know, you might be so young, you, you don't even remember it. But it's, uh, we don't ever need to forget that day, so we still want to lift those people up and, and pray. Uh, moving on until we get into our message this morning, we're going to talk about expecting the extraordinary. Expecting the extraordinary. Say that with me. Expecting the what? The extraordinary or extraordinary. Uh, if you wasn't able to, to watch the service, for those of you who uh, uh, weren't here Wednesday, I would encourage you to go back. Uh, Pastor Matt uh, did an awesome job on Sunday and, and, and Wednesday. Um, it, it was really, really good. Um, if I took notes, I think you should take notes. And uh, it, it's not sometimes, and, and he was saying, I know we know this, but if you're, if you're not doing it, you really don't know it. He, he, was, he was kind of not to say that, but you know who I am. So he just said, but he, he was taking us back to the Great Commission. Not the Great Suggestion, as he said, the Great Commission. And this uh, commission, another word for commission is mandate. It, it's really an order is what it is. And uh, he was talking about how we've been called and how we've been qualified and how we've been equipped, uh, knowing who we are in Christ and what's in us to fulfill the Great Commission. Time's running out. Time is running out and we've got a big job to do. So I appreciate him uh, taking those two services and making a difference. I, I haven't preached in three weeks. I hope I remember how, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And uh, anyway, if you're, if you're following with us online or you're here this morning, turn to uh, Joshua chapter 14. Uh, we're not going to begin there. Actually, I'm going to read some other scriptures, but you don't have to turn to them because I'm going to go through them quickly. But I want you to stay in just Joshua, and then you can write these references down and look at them. Uh, I want to talk about the importance that prophecy has with expecting the extraordinary because they work hand in hand together. Prophecy is. And so 1 Timothy uh, Verse, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says this. 
this charge I committed unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest swore a good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So Paul is admonishing Timothy to take the prophecies that has been given to him and take them to do a good warfare. Uh, many of you understand the, the importance of prophecy. Uh, I've tried to, through the years, say when, when a man or a woman of God is speaking to you or, uh, and they say something into your life, uh, it, it needs to be written down. It needs to be recorded. That probably at some time over the history of this church, I have probably have spoken something myself personally to you that I believe I, I heard directly from the Spirit of God. Others have come. Ministers have come and spoken to you. Usually when a prophecy comes, it, it won't match the day in which you're in. It's like that prophecy didn't fit or time goes by and you say, well, what was that? It never happened. Well, talk to Abraham and Sarah about that. Huh? And so usually when the prophecy comes, it's, it's, it's not exactly the day that, it, you know, that the transaction takes place. It's sometimes in the future. And because between now and when it happens, there's going to be a warfare. You need that word. Anyone, everyone need to ha anyone ever had to hold on to a word or a scripture because you were in adversity? Well, that's what prophecy, prophecy actually is, edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what the gift of prophecy is. Now, sometimes we just say everything's prophecy, but it's not really, not everything that's spoken that way is prophe you know, prophecy. I mean, of course, prophecy is utterance. It has to be spoken. It means to tumble, to speak. Uh, but a lot of times what it is, it, uh, someone may have a word of knowledge or they may have a word of wisdom. Knowledge would be today in the past. Word of wisdom in the gifts of spirit would be today and, and into the future. But it has to be delivered in words, so we just kind of say, I got a prophecy. Well, you might have got a word of wisdom, or you may have had a word of knowledge. But here, here he tells Timothy, who's a young pastor, you, you take these prophecies because you're headed someplace, and you're going to need these words to get you from here to that place. Now, this wasn't my message for today. And, I, and I'm, so I know you're paying attention. You've always been really good about this. I thought I had today nailed down. And I was watching the game yesterday. And I saw three to nothing. And then, that was, and then all of a sudden during a commercial break, the Lord began to talk about this. And I said, oh, okay, what's that? He said, That's, this is tomorrow. And I said, so, he says, so you got a tape going? <laughs> so I turned, I turned the TV off. And four hours later, you're going to hear what I got in, you know, during that time. And this, this is one of the things I just wrote, 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 wrote down. And I was glad I didn't have to see that game in real time anyway. So anyway, <laughs> I could just go through it last night and say, <laughs> kind of like if you use a Nordane fan, like, Texas a fan. <laughs> so anyway, that's not really that big a deal, is it? Well, they pay me to be a bigger deal, but until then, they're, they're not, they don't even know I'm here. Amos, you don't turn there, but you stay in Joshua. But Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he first reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. That was true in the Old Testament, and that's true in the New Testament. Now, there is a sense that because someone prophesies, of course, that doesn't make you a prophet, does it? There's the office of the prophet. There's the ministry of the office of the prophet. 
And he says, so the Lord really doesn't do things until he first reveals his plan to the prophets. That doesn't mean that we don't hear from God because we do. That doesn't mean that God, can, that you have to, we don't go to every meeting to every prophet to find out what to do with our life. That's not, that is not God's calling on your life. That's, that's amazing when it happens. That's good. That's encouraging. You've had it happen. I've had it happen. But we're not supposed to go to someone. That's what people do in the world. They go to fortune tellers. You, you, you might as well just make a meeting with the devil and say, I'll meet you there, whatever, and read my palm. And he'll be real nice and charge you, you know, one ninety nine, and it'll always be a good word. I mean, you know, for one nine. I mean, if you was to falsify things and you was a false prophet, wouldn't you give a? If you want to keep your customer base, wouldn't you give him a good word? It's a great day. You're about to meet him. <laughs> what does that mean? It depends on what him is and what him looks like. You about to meet the girl of your dreams. Well, it might turn into a nightmare, right? So we have to be led by ourselves. But here he says that the Lord reveals his plan to the prophets. Now, real quickly, uh, Psalms 33, 11 says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So there's no wiggle room there. The plans of God's heart will stand firm forever. That will ought to solidify you. That, that ought to bring us into a, a foundation. You can't, can't build a life, can't build a marriage, can't build anything unless you have a firm foundation. Because it says when the storm comes, not if it ever comes, but when the storms of life come. If you've been alive over three days, you've already had a storm in your life. Babies, when they get here, they think they're in a storm. They come out screaming. Well, I would too if I was, you know, well, I guess I did. But anyway, uh, Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will stand. I don't think he was riding the fence, do you? Nothing or no one stops his plan. Now, uh, for your reading at home, for those of you who actually do this, uh, I don't have time to do it this morning, but go to Ephesians chapter 1 and read verses 4 through 11, which puts this in perspective of what we're talking about. Uh, one more verse I want to give you. This is from the NIV translation, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. This is God speaking. He says, I'm God. And there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. And I will make known the end from the beginning and from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. So we're, we're okay. We're okay. Whatever comes, we're, we're, we're going to be just fine. If we're with him, we're standing with him. I mean, everyone in here has a, te a, a testimony. Everyone, some of you are still in, in the testimony stage. Some of you are in chapter four and this thing's got 30, you know, 30 chapters to it. You, you might be in there where you just got the breath knocked out of you. And it doesn't look good. But it's like this book right here. Some people say, well, I don't understand all revelation, but I went to the last page and I find out well, we, we won. Well, OK, we need to have more understanding of revelation other than we won. But isn't it good to know that we won? We won. Did you know how many born again? You mean you'll never go to hell for a day in your life? Lucifer, which is Satan, he's been to heaven. Kicked out. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to be kicked out of heaven? 
So you'll never have a day of hell and he'll never have another day of heaven. But, you know, the scripture said in Deuteronomy says, God wants you to experience this. The scripture says days of heaven on the earth. I mean, he'd like you to go ahead and get a little adjusted, a little heaven, get a little heaven to go to heaven in. Unless y'all into some kind of suffering doctrine. Someone said, I'm suffering for Jesus. Well, you ought to stop it here. He suffered for you. I mean, the payment's paid and overpaid. Don't, don't throw the more at it. Proverbs uh, 19. Uh, so let me say it this way. Uh, I wrote down exactly what he told me. He says, tell them that they are not an ex they're not an experiment with me. He's not experimenting with your life. You, they are born to accomplish and manifest what has already been predetermined by God. He wants it to manifest. It's important. This must be important. He pulled me out of an Alabama game to do this. You know how major that must be. Proverbs 19, 21. says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose, that will prevail. Keeps on solidifying this thing. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, the purpose of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. See, that's our responsibility. That's, an all, that's a powerful verse. Did you hear it? The purpose is Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose of a man's heart are like deep waters. But a man of wisdom and understanding, he'll draw that out. You can't just take a prophecy and say, well, that was a good word, and I'm just waiting for God to do it. It doesn't work that way. I'm, I, it'd be wonderful if it did. It doesn't hardly ever work that way. There's his part, there's our part. That's why Paul told Timothy, you're going to have to do a good warfare. So obviously there was things, him as a young pastor, that he was dealing with. And he says, you're going to have to take these prophecies. We laid hands on you, things are spoken from you by heaven. But now you take those prophecies. And I, through the years, not, I'm not thinking of anyone in here, but I've spoken to people and I've had people come in and speak words of just, I mean, it was amazing. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, funny and surreal one way because I've had people come in they didn't know y'all didn't even know your name and they would speak words over y'all and as if they knew you all their life and Michelle and I just go home and say <laughs> you would think that we gave a picture in a script to them and they just read off the script how accurate it was and so I'm like I'm kind of like Zach I mean it looks like the Lord knows maybe some things ahead of time I mean he, he may have, I mean it looks like he has insight you don't mind me using your stuff, do you? Okay. <laughs> if they like it, I get part of that 25% back. <laughs> He's a numbers guy, so, you know, that's an engineer. Well, so we got to lower, lower this bucket. we got, we got to lower the bucket into the well and pull some things out. Amen. Isaiah, I don't have that in my notes, but I just thought about Isaiah. So you got to draw out of the wells of salvation. It's all in there. You just got to draw it out. We're coming to church because it's church time to clock in and maybe take a note. Don't take a note. And I'm not saying you don't raise your hand. And most people never go back, look at the notes. They never look it up. They're just like they, they fit church into their life. You don't have any other life. Did you know the Bible said you died? That's a good thing. Until you until you die, you're going to be a mess all your life. Jesus said, look, he said, are you having problems? He says, come to me. 
He said, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you're stressed out, if you're overburdened, you're overworried and life is just handing you whatever, you didn't get it from him. Huh? He's the one that we cast all the cares, right? Once and for all upon him. And that's, that is, be, be honest with you, that's a lot easier to say than do. You know, the Bible says casting all your cares once and for all. But I mean, I'm going to admit like Zach was talking about, I've had to go back and do it a few times in a day. The same thing that I gave to him, you know, at nine o'clock, I'm giving to him again at 1030. <laughs> because you're in real time here with people and situations and they're like, and I get a call, you know, and this is pastor. And I said, hello. Yeah. Uh, wow. What? They now whoa, 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 back up. They did what? Today? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll get right back with you. <laughs> well, that's why we have to continually make sure that our mind is renewed on him. This is why you have to do a good warfare with these prophecies. Uh, I have prophecies from men I highly respect. 2012 is the first time I ever met Wayne Goss. And I was, I was in a meeting somewhere else. And he walked up to us three times. And the first thing he said, are you, are you guys pastors? And we just said, yes. This, I mean, he's just preaching. He just walked up to us. Before he quit preaching, he, he came, walked up to she and I three times while he was preaching. And we had a situation going on that there was no way I could fix it. I didn't create the problem, but it, but it, was, it was in my neighborhood. It was real close, but I couldn't fix it. And I remember him saying this. He said, this is what's ahead of you. He said, boy, he said, the Lord told me you've been through the stripping. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good word for it. It's like more like filleted, you know, and he says, but this is where it's headed. He said, and as a sign to you of the restorations that, that's coming, he said, this particular situation, he said, in December, before this year ends, he said, uh, God is going to send someone into this, into your family, and this will be a sign to you that the restoration has already begun. And that happened exactly the way he said it. He talked about the ministry. He talked about uh, uh, not being, he says, uh, though you don't have any desire to do this, the day will come where you will plant churches internationally. And I thought, mm, boy, he missed that one. I ain't looking to plant church anywhere in Nashville. I'm in Jemison. He said, little hum, he said, because your ministry is apostolic, he says, you will plant many churches. And you will, and you will raise up many ministers in, in different nations. And I thought, Who, who's behind me? It's like, it's like, I'm not looking to do any of that. I mean, I, mean, I, I just wasn't. Some, some are looking to go and like that. And they're like, man, that's awesome. I get to go preach over here. And I just like, I'm, I'm just happy right here. I like these people a lot. This, I mean, it's all good. You know, I, I don't need to plant a church. And now we're showing pictures of Africa. Mentoring with, on Messenger. Oh, God. But anyway, what an awesome thing. So it looks like God has insight. Well, that was 2012. This is 2022. So we didn't, I, you know, that, that was almost nine, ten years before something like that even began to transpire. And I just started, you know, helping the Franklins say, well, I don't, I said, she had met them online. He found 
the Franklins. And I said, well, here, let, let me give you a few hundred dollars to help help them. And that's how it began. I was just helping them to help them. I, I wasn't looking to talk, get involved uh, in any in any shape and form. And so that's what apostolic does. Apostolic ministries. Apostolic ministries is one who sent out, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of pioneers. God's given them the grace to, to, to pioneer a church. And pioneering a church is a lot different. It's like starting a business. I mean, anybody can start a business, but can you stay? It's like, man, I'm, I'm, I got a good skill. Well, that's generally what happens. You have a skill and you want to go do it for yourself, but you never had any business experience. And, you know, and, and, but you're going to end up with an experience. <laughs> that's for sure. And they might have told you, you just open up your business and, you know, and, and get you a trip to Hawaii because you're just going to have more money than time than you know what to do with. Well, that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And I started the business that we were in. I, I worked, I think, three times harder and three times the hours they did for about half the pay. And I thought, why in the world did I ever do this? Well, the payoff ain't always in the beginning, but if you stay with it, there's a payoff. There's a payoff. And the Lord is talking about payoff time. I hope you're listening. Pull me out of a, a game, which wasn't a game, but anyway, I'm just telling you. So uh, in our heart, God has placed everything necessary for the fulfillment of the plan for your life, which is your family, your vocation, your calling. It's already in your heart. It's in your heart. So when you come to a juncture in life and you need guidance, or you're confused, or you need provision, remember it's in you, then I would say it this way, time to go fishing. Time to go fishing and draw out, draw out what's already in. Remember this, that the Holy Spirit is your counselor and he's really good at it. He's never missed. And God's word to keep you steady. But you have to uh, be willing to wage a good warfare with the prophecy spoken to you. Now, in Proverbs 29, well, let's not go there. You're in Joshua. Now remember, God speaks before he does. He knows he's the end from the beginning and everything that he says, his purposes are going to stand. Even though time goes by and it looks like he's forgot you. Am I the only one here ever felt like God forgot me? I mean, he, he wasn't even in so neighborhood. He wasn't even in the state. I, I don't even think he was on earth sometimes. I was like, I mean, if you went with your emotions and feelings sometimes, I mean, do you feel like God's near? Near what? Who? I mean, me? No. I mean, <laughs> like, Lord, did you, did you know we're still here? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's like he's silent sometimes. That ever happened to you? Amen. I'm doing better preaching than y'all doing amen. Amen. Well, this, that's what your feelings do. But, but, but you know the story of Egypt and, you know, coming out of, you know, bondage and Moses and Joshua and all such as this. Well, you know, they didn't get to go in, did they? Because they rebelled against God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. But in Joshua chapter, what did I tell you, 14? Look in verse 7. We're going to read 7 through. Y'all can put this up if you, if you got it back there. Verse Joshua 14, 7 through 21. This is the verse. I, mean, I, I interject this because I want you to know it's important to him. He said, I, I want you to read these verses to them today. 40 years old. Now, who's speaking right here is uh, Caleb. 40 years old when I was with Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word Again, that was as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And Moses swore. See, he, he's, he's going back to remember what God said, what Moses said. Remember, this is, this is prophecy. Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. He's remembering this prophecy from 40 years. And the children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now behold the Lord. Oh, this is awesome. And now behold the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 40 and five years, not four or five months. Even since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses. Is, this, is he remembering the prophecy? Can you see it? While the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, they were wandering, but this prophecy was right there the whole time. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, which that means I was 40, but I'm now 85. A few things have changed. Oh, but look at verse 11. And yet I'm as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was, even so is my strength now for war, both to come out and to come in. Oh, look at the next verse, last verse. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. You hear many 85-year-olds talk like that? I'm as strong right now as I was when I was 40. Look, God, he said, it's time I'm fixed to possess and take over. Give me a mountain. He didn't say, give me the Jeritol. <laughs> no, give me this mountain. Boy, we're going we're to have to pony up, y'all. I mean, I, I, I got to get the giddy up going. I can see why he pulled me out of that pathetic game. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord spoke in that day. See, the Lord spoke this in this day. What did he speak to you a few days ago? What did he speak to you? What did he say about your kids? What did he say about your family? When people spoke, when, the, when there's no indication that anything has ever happened, I'm telling you, you need to take those prophecies out. And, you, and if you don't have them, I don't know what to tell you about doing it. Maybe we can find them. Uh, of course, it'd be like $50 an hour for us to do the search. But anyway, uh, it takes more than two people. Be like, uh, what do you think, Zach? About 200 a night? Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's going to be my new financial advisor. Uh, for thou heart, he said, for the, you heard in that day. Anyway, that's, I, wanted you, I wanted you to get the gist of how they were, were having to remember the prophetical word that was spoken from God to Moses. And Moses is gone. And the, and the people had, uh, disobeyed God. And here they are out there. It looks like they're in the cold. But they're not. And, they, and he had to go back and he had to stir himself up. You ever had to stir yourself up? You ever, you ever had to be your own cheerleader? I mean, it's easy when you come here, you know, and you worship and praise the Lord. But, but I'm talking about when it's Monday and, and there's no worship people around you. There's no one to say, it's going to be all right, honey. And your mind tells you this and your body tells it. How do we know when you get a little bit older, your body has a voice too? It'll talk. It's got a voice. Your finances will talk. Your kids will talk because they talk all the time anyway. So, but anyway, everything's talking. Everything is, is, is trying to tell you this is what your future looks like. But what, we, what do we have to do? We have to go back and say, not so. It's going to be this way. It's going to be that way. It's going to be this way. Can I get an amen? amen. So re remember this verse in Proverbs 29, 19. I'm sorry. I'm trying to go too fast. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You're familiar with that verse, aren't you? If you have no vision, the people perish. Well, there's no vision of today, no hope of tomorrow, no vision of a preferred future. That's where Satan works. He's a master at stealing, killing, and destroying. He loves it. 
He loves to steal from you, kill from you, destroy from you, take from your life, take from your kids, take from your family. He likes to, he likes to dash your hopes. He likes to bring fear and despair into you. Dismay. And the Lord said, do not be dismayed. He wants to take from you all expectation. He wants to take away from you all hope. This morning, I'm not really teaching as much as I'm going to just exhort to encourage you. Amen. This is what the Lord is saying. He said, if people allow Satan to do this, he will disarm my people of their inheritance. How would you like to hear that knowing you're going to speak this tomorrow and, you're just, and you hear that and you write it down word for word? Can you understand I'm trying to tell you I heard this and I just wrote it down like dictation. This is not a sermon, y'all. To me, it's not. If people allow Satan to do this, he will disarm my people of their inheritance. That sounds like a warning to me. So maybe life's been difficult. Maybe you, maybe you walk through or are walking through a season of trials in your life. Satan wants you to think and feel as if God has abandoned you and he's forgot you. We've all felt that way at some time, haven't we? You may feel like giving up. You may feel like quitting. You may think or say, what's the use? Whether we ever, whether, you know, in, in any area of your life, your relationships, your, your vocation, your, your, your business, your, your health, what's the, what's the use? What's the use? Well, the plot of there is just saying, here you trust a God and, you, and everything that you believe in and, and nothing's changing. You don't want to say that the word's not true. You believe it is true, but, you, but, but, but you're looking for the experience of it. Well, miracles are instantaneous. We love miracles. But you ever notice if you never got a miracle, like if you needed a financial miracle, that the money came, enough, money, enough money came in just to do, to avoid the catastrophe? But then, but then what's better than that is called the blessing of the Lord that maketh us rich. Another of Zach Burnett's sermons. The blessing of the Lord maketh us rich, but he adds no sorrow to it. I, I love miracles. We should all want miracles. But it'd be better that you live in the blessing of the Lord. Because if you're in the blessing, you have overflow. If you just miracle, you just got enough, you know, you get enough cereal for that morning. But when you live in overflow, you say, well, that's like this. And he says, we need to put some floor here. We, 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 we need to fix something, you know, in this church over here or whatever. We need, to, we need to get people fed. I mean, it's wrong to know that people are hungry and can't feed themselves. And when, when we can do something, we can't feel the whole world, but, but we can do what our assignment is. If the Lord cares, we ought to care. Amen. Right? I mean, I'd, I'd feel pitiful just going around and get me a, you know, a $10, $15, $20 meal when someone is just believing God for some rice. When you can wire money, it could be there in 10 minutes. $20 to you might say, well, that won't do much, but I mean, <laughs> you could buy a lot of rice for $20. Yeah. My, my, my point is we, we get involved because we are the light of the world. Amen. The light's in us. Amen. The glory's in us. You're, you're a glory carrier. You're, you're infected with glory and you can't get in and, 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 and there's no vaccine for it. So don't sign up for one. You got something in you that you can't mask. They, and and, and, and it's, it's required that you, you, you get closer than six foot. Hmm. So are you protected? I said, of course. Oh, so you've had the vaccine. I said, uh-huh. Christ in me, the hope of glory. What else? 
Is that what you said about Christ to be the hope of glory? Yeah. What are you talking about? I said, was you vaccinated? I said, you mean protected from, from the virus? I'm very much protected. Every germ and every virus that touches your body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. That's what Zoe life is. Zoe is the life in the nature of God. But you have to stir that up. And when you know what's in you and you talk about it and you think about it and you meditate, you think, well, this comes to invade my body. And Zoe says, he says, you're not staying here. No vacancy. Amen. Get the out. <laughs> Go back to hell. Right? That's what Zoe does. Now, Zoe has to know how to work and it does how to do that because, because it gives life, but it also kills. If Zoe just worked in destruction mode, it'd kill you too. But Zoe and a Christian, all, all it does is it, it just attacks the enemy in your life. Whether it's the things in your body or your home or your finances or whatever. And, and when you say no, heaven listens. Because whatever you bind, not heaven, whatever you loose, not heaven, he says heaven will back you up. Amen. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is I believe it. I don't know what you do. Huh? Heaven backs you up. I went, y'all knew I had surgery. First time I ever had surgery in my life. I asked you, you ever had surgery? I said, well, I, they, I was in twilight one time when they pulled some teeth out. He says, no, I ain't talking about, I ain't talking about that. So, well, then the answer is no. Well, I thought, you know, you know, kidney stones, I thought, he said, no, that's too big to pass. You want to shock this thing, beat it up in pieces, and, and you'll wash it out. I said, okay, well, whatever, here we go. Well, they broke it up in pieces, but not enough pieces. I didn't know that. They got strange and foreign things in your body where you don't want them for a week. You're like, this is a blessing. Not so much. You go back and they said, well, we got a little problem. You got two stones. It was 10 millimeter, but left one two millimeter and one five. I thought, how, how did you leave over half of my problem in me? Well, anyway, I'm going to go through all that. But I'm just saying, so I went back and he said, come by at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we're going to rid you of that contraption out of your body. And I said, well, what about them stones? He says, the stones are going to know that they're travel route is now being reduced and it's going to put pressure on it and you're going to know it. I said, that sounds wonderful because I did, I did that 20 years ago and all the women at the hospital tell me, oh baby, I've had kids and I've had stones. I'd have a baby and that's like, oh, oh mm, mm, don't tell me that. So he said, come eight o'clock in the morning and I'm going to get that thing out and he says, stay close by because probably in two hours you're going to feel the pain and come back up here and I'll surgically remove them with the little arm and a little crane, a little bucket, pull them out. And I thought, uh, how do we get that crane in there? <laughs> the, I thought, oh, that don't sound like a good day. <laughs> so so I, I went home and I, I went to the Word. Yeah. I went to the Word and all of a sudden that, that Word came to me. Well, I preached it a few times over in Jeremiah and the Amplified said, said this. He said, my Word is like a fire, it's like a hammer. And he says, he says, and it will, the Amplified says, it will break up the rocks, even those of the most stubborn resistance. And I thought, well, yeah. I mean, I know it didn't say kidney stones, but that's a rock. He said, mine was made out of calcium. He said, you know, it, it's hard. There, there's no way to, he said, we just shocked it and shocked it and shocked it, but that, that, that's just, just where we're at. And I thought, oh, 
So I created a little bit of a Niagara Falls. I've lost 10 pounds and uh, 12 pounds in two weeks. You can wash a lot of stuff out of your body with just this stuff right here. <laughs> and uh, well, he was wrong. It didn't, nothing happened two hours. It happened near closing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh oh, oh, here it comes a kidney pain. The stone's trying to move. It, it wants out, and I want it out, but dear Jesus. And, uh, and I said, uh, you don't know what to do. So I put ice in my stomach. I put ice in my back. I want to stand up. I want to sit down. I want to scream. I want to holler. I want to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I wanted, I, Scott was working on th something outside. I thought maybe I could get him to hit me with a hammer in the head, knock me out for two hours. And I, I didn't know what I just like. I, and I said, my, my mind was just like, it, it's painful. It's just very, very painful. And I went back to this word and I said, no, that will not happen. The word of God's working in me and it will break this thing of those stones into little bitty particles will dissolve, but in the smiley little pieces. Because he said it would probably take me about three or four hours to pass them, so come up there and I'll just remove them. 20 minutes later, it was all over. Tw 20 minutes, it was all over. Amen. That don't mean as much to you as it does me. <laughs> but if someone does your arm and you feel like you're almost about to break, you don't want four hours of that. <laughs> you know, if your finger is jammed in the door and you can't get the door, you don't want four hours of that. You want someone to open the door. The Lord opened the door for me. His words like a hammer, breaking it. And I thought, I should have got on that verse before this, and I just could have avoided the whole thing. <laughs> so I, this is probably just for me, not even y'all. <laughs> anyway, so we got that vision. And so the thoughts that come to you about you feel abandoned or forgotten or whatever it is, those thoughts didn't originate with you. They originated from him. That's the enemy's thoughts. Remember the second Corinthians 10 said we have to cast down thoughts and imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the what? The knowledge of God's will and God's word. In other words, you have to filter out everything that's not in the word that you don't want to show up in your future. And you got to quit talking trash. You got to talk above where you are. You got to talk above. You're like, I ain't never got no money, you know, just whatever in the family. Well, it, you, you want more of that? Just keep talking it. You say, well, I feel like a lie saying I'm prosperous when I can't pay my bills. You're not telling a lie when you, when, when you, when, when you speak the word of God. How could you be lying? God's not a man that he should lie. You're putting seed in the ground and seed comes up and it grows. But you have to put seed in the ground. It's not enough to believe it. You've got to speak it out. And you've got to speak it out when you're in the most adverse circumstances. And say, how long is it going to take? I don't know, maybe a day, maybe three days. Abraham, 24 years. I mean, don't you think that looked kind of hopeless to be 90 to 100 years old? And then she finds out and she says, you know, I went and done the test and we're, we're going to have a child. Well, she was in her 60s you know, when, when the promise came. But she's 90 now. Who in the world in the right mind would want a kid? But, but anyway, 90 and 100 years. Well, they were nine years apart. He was 99. You know, and so she was, and she was 90. And she gave birth. Wow. And after Sarah died, Abraham got married again. I think at 140. And had five more kids. And he lived to be 175. I'm not asking for any of that. Just, just, just saying, look what the Lord can do. 
pass me, O gentle Savior. <laughs> That's actually him anyway. Just <laughs> but isn't that amazing? I mean, it's not just a, a Bible story. That, that actually happened. It wasn't immaculate conception, was it? So the Lord had to do something in both of their bodies that they had already, the, 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 you know what I'm saying, the time had passed. This can't happen now. The human body, the female and, and the male doesn't produce what they do to have a child. But the Lord worked something in their body when it was when it was past time. He reversed the clock. The Lord wants to restore things in your life. He's going to turn some things back and he's going to reverse the clock. It's called restoration. The Lord's ready to restore some things to you. He wants to do the extraordinary, which is the rare, the, un, the I mean, uh, the, the, the uncommon. The remarkable, the exceptional, the outstanding, the very unusual things he wants to do for you. And he wants them to come to your life on a normal basis. Not just the event, which would be amazing, but a normal basis. How, how would we like to have something remarkable happening all the time? Something unusual, something that's out of the ordinary. Everywhere Jesus went, you know, he didn't have an event here and have an event there. Everywhere he went, it was extraordinary. And they said, we've never seen things like this before. Right? Well, who's in you? Jesus Christ is in you, right? Am I telling the truth? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Has his, has his mission changed? Has his will changed? So we're supposed to have the remarkable, the extraordinary going on all the time. You say, why don't we? Because we have never, we've never come to the place of believing and settling it. You've got you, you, you to do a warfare. But he said it's a good fight. It's, it's a fight of faith, but it's a good fight. Whether I just go to Grace Life Church where they believe this, I'll be all right. You may not be all right. I mean, I'll get in there and fight with you, but, but you're going to do something too. I'm not coming to your house to make your bed every day or any day. I mean, if you need help, I will. But if you just thought, well, that's what pastors are for. You're at the wrong church. It ain't going to happen. Huh? I mean, I can't make you drink. I mean, I'm going to salt the old style of candy. Like, I need me a drink. But you can't force a horse to drink, can you? That's why they say salt the oats. So you can call me salty today because I'm going to pull the salt out. All right, let me finish here this morning. I think I can get through in six minutes. So your weapons are not physical, but mighty through God. The battle's not physical. It's spiritual. You're not just physical, are you? You're a spirit being first. Made in the image and the likeness of God, you shine so bright when the enemy comes at you, you make him squint. You make him squint, Clint. That kind of rhymes. <laughs> Because you're so bright. Don't allow your heart. Remember, I'm dictating this. I'm listening and I'm dictating this. This is straight from, I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening and writing. Christian understands that when you get in the download. It's wonderful. He says, don't allow your heart. Tell them, don't allow their heart to stay discouraged. Don't allow the enemy to rent space in their mind. Rise up and speak the word, my word. Out of your circumstances, let truth have a vehicle to be expressed from your mouth. He, Satan already knows his limitations. That's what he said. He already knows he's defeated. He wants to keep you from knowing it. it Remind me of a verse in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 said, that says, In you is a piece of eternity from the eternal one. God has placed eternity in your heart. Whew. It's a great and mighty plan, a great plan, a purpose from the chief architect himself. He never made a mistake and he doesn't need to do over. He wants his vision for your life and your future to come to pass. He wants to stir, he wants to stir in you a purpose that wakes you up every morning, an excitement for what the, what the day holds. 
tell them I've equipped them with a potential to now and I've equipped them, but I've also given them a potential to carry it out. I want to encourage you today to stir the pot this morning. You're not too young and you're not too old. Too much time hasn't gone by. Deep within your spirit, there is a Holy Ghost connection where deep calls unto deep. Something greater than this day is waiting to manifest in you. Amen. Proverbs 10, 28 in the ERV says, The hope of the righteous bring joy, Woo! but the expectation of the wicked will perish. I would have thought I got at least one amen on that. The hope of the righteous brings joy. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Some folks just need a spiritual enema. I don't know what you got to get some things out. I don't know what it is. Hallelujah. Proverbs 23, 18 says, Surely there's a future and your hopes will not be cut off. Amen. Man, how do you go wrong with a verse like that? Surely there's a future for you and your hopes will not be cut off. Amen. Psalm 62, 5 in the EST says, For God alone all my soul, wait in silence. Sometimes you need to shut up. You, you say what you need to say, now just shut up. So there's a time to talk and there's a time to be silent. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence for my hope. My expectation is from him. People say, well, why would you be so happy? You didn't got the same problem I got. I said, no, I don't. I cast care upon the Lord. I don't have a problem. I'm carefree. They said, like, man, you're nuts. I said, yeah, but I'm screwed onto the right boat. <laughs> so, sometimes you never dream possible or, or, or something that you never dreamed possible is trying to be birthed into your future. I'm dictating, remember this? Uh, the Bible says the enemy knows his time is short in Revelation. He understands God's best has been conceived in your spirit. He will try everything in the natural realm to abort that plan to stop you. He'll even throw at you the kitchen sink. I thought, Lord, you heard that joke? About it? I'm, just, I'm dictating now. now. Now listen to this, what he said. His continued attack against some of you this morning is actually his fear of who you are as my child. If you've had a continued attack, it's because he fears you. You don't have the spirit of fear, but he does. <laughs> huh? Don't fight Satan naturally in the, in the flesh, in the natural. You can't win. Fight him in the spirit. You can't lose. I'll, I'll finish this with a quote. It said, David didn't need to know how strong Goliath was because he already knew how strong his God was. Yeah, he didn't need to know how high he was. You know, we talking about he was 11 foot high. David didn't ask how tall he was. How much does he weigh? Where did he get his military training? He says, you, you stupid, uncircumcised Philistine. He said, you wouldn't know God from a rock, but you can fix to meet the rock. <laughs> You know, I've heard all kinds of stories. Why? How many stones did you pick up? Five? I've heard so many stories. I said, well, that meant grace. That meant that I don't, I think it's just a guess in the wind. I think it's just like it is today. Goliath had four more brothers. Man, you kill one of them. You got four more rednecks you got to take out. That's just my opinion in, in the Bible. But anyway, but it didn't take one rock and he had a little place like this to get. It looks like God's got a pretty good aim. <laughs> you got a 17-year-old wall against it. They said he's 10 foot. These, these are 10 foot seats. I mean, I've done this before. Can I do this? I mean, here's David said, you uncircumcised Philistine today, I'm going to take your head off. And Goliath is, you know, he's up there. He's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you figured to be dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> 17 years old. But he was motivated too, remember? Because if you kill him, what do you do? You get a, you get a, free, you get a house paid for, you owe no taxes, and you get the king's daughter. A 17-year-old boy gets his own woman, he's going to fight. He says, I mean, I'm going to have a house. That's right. And I, no payments, no. No taxes either, no property tax. Who ever heard of that? I've always wondered, why do I pay tax on my own land? Y'all didn't make it, did you? <laughs> I mean, didn't the Lord create it? Why are you charging me for my land? But anyway, let's move on. Next election. But anyway, and I, and, and I get my own woman. Now, go back to being 17, guys. Well, sometimes you could have your own woman. It's like, oh, listen, man, we we fixed the role. <laughs> I already know God. He, he don't know God at all. This thing, this thing is, I mean, it's a stacked deck. He's too stupid to know it. You say, he's too big. He said, no, he's too big to miss. <laughs> Goliath the man said, they sent out this little whatever this thing is to fight me. He said, is there not a man in Israel? And David said, yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. You got a little slingshot. And, and you know, Goliath just laughed at him. He said, this is, y'all are just, well, this is pathetic. And, 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 the, and the Bible said David ran towards Goliath. He didn't run from him, he ran to him. You, you, you run towards your giant. But he had his word, the word of God in his mouth the whole time. He says, it's fixing to happen. It's fixing to happen. It's fixing to happen. He, he prophesied his death before he died. Ooh, don't tell me words don't have power. <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm happy. Y'all doing all right? Amen. Are you blessed? Amen. I declare you blessed, healed, sanctified, delivered from everything. Can I get a great big amen? Amen. amen. So be it. God bless. Over and out. <laughs>